welcome to the Camden Fringe Pod, a podcast all about the Camden Fringe. Keep listening for a glimpse behind the curtains and to find out how you can get involved in, you guessed it, the Camden Fringe. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Zena. How are you? I'm not too bad. A little bit creaky. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the Easter weekend. I have. I ate half of my daughter's Easter egg. It's pretty reserved. <laughs> yep. We've got an interview coming up with Debbie Banley. Debbie, we've worked with for a few years. Um, Zena's worked with her on the Greater Manchester Fringe. It's been 10 years now um, it's been going and I've worked with Debbie all of that time. She really knows the stuff. One thing I would say when you're preparing to listen to this podcast, if you are a performer and you're thinking... I really want to hear all of the things that Debbie Manley has to say about PR. I would take notes. So, yes, Debbie's going to be talking about press stuff. She's worked with Camden Fringe a couple of years as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so she does she does know her stuff when it comes to fringes, when it comes yep. to press from various perspectives. Yeah, enjoy. Today we are talking to the lovely Debbie Manley. She is a journalist and a lecturer in journalism and PR at Salford University. She was manager of the fall for two weeks and she was the showbiz writer of the year at the British Press Awards as well. So what we're saying is Debbie knows a lot about writing press releases, contacting the press and getting your act together in terms of press relations. So Debbie, I have a fringe show. And I would like to get some press for it. I am a one-woman clown showman and I use a lot of jam in my show. What do I do about getting press in? The key thing is thinking about what your unique selling point is, what your angle is. So when you're thinking about contacting the press, you have to have something that interests them. So if you're going to email them or write a press release and send a press release to them, You need something at the beginning of that press release or at the beginning of that email that's going to really stand out. So you need all those key questions, you know, the kind of who, what, when, where, why, how. Make sure that you mention the title of the show, when it's happening, where it's happening, all that kind of thing. But you need an angle that's actually going to interest the media. So it's trying to think about what is the most interesting thing about your show and put that right at the beginning of either the email or the press release or both. So what's going to stand out? Because journalists don't have a lot of time to read through a load of bump. Sometimes you send them too much and it takes too long to look at it all. It needs to be virtually in a sentence why they why they should come. So what do you think for the jam show? Would obviously you've not seen the show, but what would you think would be the, the tagline? So is it a is it a naked jam show? Because that might stand out. There will be a bit of nudity in it, but only a tiny bit. But enough to say in a press release that it's naked. <laughs> it is finding those key words that are going to really stand out. So if you're if it's going to be naked and you're covered in jam and it's mine, then that might stand out because the media are going to think, wow, uh, what's going on here? So all those things, all those key words need to be high up in your Jam, naked, clown. I remember um, when we were working together years ago, 
there was a show, was it called Die Diana? Oh, yes. So, and that did well press-wise, didn't it? And why was that? It was about Princess Diana. So Princess Diana does get a lot of traction online and in the media. With that one, um, the premise of the play was that Diana hadn't died and there were three people telling different stories about what happened to her. That stood out because it was Princess Diana, but also um, there was a drag artist in it um, who was quite well known on the LGBTQ plus scene. Anaphylactic. Yes. So that was going to stand out straight away. We were going to get the um, that press. We were going to get attention because it was Princess Diana. But also we had an angle of somebody being from Wigan, so we knew we were going to get the Wigan press. You need to find out uh, not just the angles of the story, so Diana, LGBTQ+, drag artist, but also finding out where your performers are from, you're going to get the local media as well. So if somebody's from Wigan, you're going to get the Wigan media. Down in London, you need to find out the different areas because quite a lot of different areas have very local media. There's local newspapers. There's also very hyper-local magazines and websites nowadays. So you might have a what's on in your particular area in London and around London. So think about where your performers are from. So it's the key storylines that are going to be important for getting media, but also it might be the local angle and if they've done something in that area before. So it's not just where they were born, where they've worked, where they've performed before. So they might have done something in the past that's attracted attention from that local media that can also stand out and how long do you think a press release should be well not long you really don't want it to be too long just one side of a4 um obviously nowadays if you're writing online 250 to 300 words you don't really want it to be long introduction key points expand on it in the second paragraph Third paragraph, you could have a quote from the writer or the director or one of the performers about why it's interesting. So your main press release, facts, your opinion goes in the quotes. So round about the third paragraph, get a, a quote in from a key character, director or writer or performer saying what a brilliant show it is. That's that's one of the, the key ways of writing it. You might want to get some uh, statistics in. If it's something about history, you might find some interesting statistics to get in there as well to attract attention. Local angles, like I say, that can get your media coverage. So if you're uncovering something interesting about Camden, you're going to get the Camden media writing about it. So it might be you've discovered something that no one knew about. Quite often, local history gets a load of traction in local media. Um, so Anything that's new or unusual that's not been talked about before is going to get that uh, that coverage. And I was just thinking, one of the things that we've noticed over the years is that sometimes different websites will just take a press release and, and pretty much copy it word for word and then mm. just tweak it for their publication. So there is a definitely an argument for making things easy for them. So, Michelle, you write our press releases for the Camden Fringe and quite often they've, they've just been like 100% copied, haven't they? So if you yeah. if you can make it easy for the journalist to go, oh, that's a well-written mm. um, thing and it's got a nice quote in it as yeah. well, we can just nick that and, and the photo mm-hmm. and that saves them. They've got like a feature then without having to do too much. Mm. When you send this info out to press... 
you should find out exactly who you're oh, yeah. emailing it to so you don't say dear sir or madam because that's really really annoying isn't it yeah. but um, would you send it in the body of an email press release or would you add it as an attachment it's quicker and easier to actually write it as the email so it might be you just have a few words at the top and then you might just do the press release um, you could do it as an attachment. I mean, that's another way of doing it and actually doing it as uh, laid out as a press release. The easiest way to look at how press releases look is to actually Google it and have a look at some uh, big companies. So if you're doing theatre press releases, have a look at theatre websites. They quite often have press releases on there or they have news. So have a look at their style of writing and see how they've done it because there will be examples out there. Mm-hmm. Um so you can do it as email, which just saves the journalist one job of clicking on the attachment because journalists don't have much time. Or you could put it as an attachment. But do have a look at how people write press releases, people write news on theatre websites and other festival websites. Go and go and do a bit of research. Yes, do your research on who is the right person to contact. So don't say sir or madam or editor because that is just well, it's rude, isn't it? You don't bother to find out the name. Go onto the websites and have a look at who writes the theatre, news, the reviews, the previews, everything else, does interviews with people in shows. So spend some time having a look at who writes the entertainment or showbiz or theatre section, the culture section. Have a look at who writes that. Or if you're near a news agent, go and pick up the local publications and have a look through them. It's probably better to spend an hour writing to one person and doing it really well and get the right angle in with them rather than just blindly BCCing an email out to 100 people where it will bounce back from half of them or half of them won't be interested and it won't be relevant to them. And one one of the things with research is once you've found someone's name, you can normally work out the email address of them for them at work because quite often it's first name dot surname at and then the name of the company dot co dot uk if you actually look say you were trying to contact the bbc and there is a obviously somebody who does focus on entertainment news on the website so once you've worked out the pattern of the emails at a certain company you can normally work out everybody's email addresses so it might be jeremy.paxman at bbc.co.uk gary.lineker yeah so you go onto the website and you have a look whichever email address you can find and then you work out the email address of the person you want to contact based on that and that is the the best thing to do because a more direct email saying hi the other thing is um journalists like to be addressed personally but they also like to think that you're interested in what they do so if you have a look at what they've written about before you might actually say I really liked your column on such and such. I wondered if you'd be interested in this show because it's um, similar or it might be it's something that we think you'd be interested in. Uh, Would you like to interview, you know, it might be somebody in the show or somebody who's written the show. It's that kind of personal approach that works more than just sending out the same thing to everybody. So it might be you send different press releases to different organisations. So like I said with Die Diana, to some it was the Diana angle. But to others, it might have been the local actor. So whenever you're doing a show, have a look what the local media cover, because then that, and, that and, is better. And when you approach in radio stations, mm-hmm. do you approach them in a similar way? Yeah, I mean, one of, the, one of the key things is looking at which radio stations do interviews and cover local events. Wherever, you, wherever you're looking at, wherever you're performing, have a look at things like local BBC radio afternoons. They quite often talk about 
local events and they do interviews as well. So BBC Local Radio is very good for getting local events on because quite often the independent stations are more focused on music and it might be very much pop music and things like that. But there are community radio stations as well that do what's on locally. So it's thinking, where am I performing? What's the local media in that area? There might be community television as well. There are various different channels that pop up every so often. Some of them are internet-based completely. So you get specific radio and specific TV. I say television, sometimes it's on YouTube. It might be on a website or it might be on YouTube, but they might be doing showbiz or they might be doing local events. So have a look because they come and go. There's all sorts of vlogging, podcasting like this. Um, There's lots of different uh, things that crop up every so often and they might have quite a good following. You know, they might not be national, but they might have a very specific following that is actually hitting your target audience more than a national show. Yes, it's finding things like people talking on YouTube and on websites and on local radio and community television about theatre and about performance. So, yeah, there will be very specific ones where it is Lady Clowns. There may be shows. I mean, we've had a lot of success with shows going back to the LGBTQ plus angle. There is that media. There's Gadio, there's Attitude, there's all sorts of radio, magazines, uh, publications, uh, websites that you could actually get specific coverage if that is your angle. So it's worth looking for publications that focus on those angles. When you're contacting the press and you're starting your media campaign, when would you suggest you do it? I think one of the things is looking at uh, when you're ready to start selling tickets. Because if you do your publicity before you've got your tickets on sale, then it's a little bit wasted. If you're putting your tickets on sale in May, then get your publicity out in May. You want it to be out when people are going to be buying tickets. So don't put it out before you've got your tickets on sale. It kind of goes hand in hand with, have you got your cast in place? Have you got costumes? Can you get some good photographs? Because if you're sending out uh, press releases and you haven't got good photographs with those press releases, then they might not run them. The media will quite often go, oh, I like that photograph. What's that about? So sometimes it's your angle in your press release, but sometimes it's the photograph, which can look really interesting. It just fits that slot that they need at that particular time. And I would say make sure you have a variety of landscape and portrait photographs because it might be they're going, oh, that slot there would just fit a landscape Mm -hmm. photograph. Bright, colourful, lots going on on it. So sometimes the photograph will attract attention and we we sometimes have had a lot of traction from shows that have just had a good photograph because that is what they're looking for. So, yeah, I would say... Make sure you've got good photographs to go out with your press release. So don't send your press release before you've got the photos. You might also develop other assets. You might have a press release, photographs and video because a lot of websites now want video as well. So if you've got a trailer that's very dramatic in like one minute, you don't want it too long, that trailer could run on websites and on your social media as well. Again, you want to think about formats. You might want it in portrait landscape so when you're doing a trailer just think about whether you can actually edit it into different shapes for different usage you know whether it's social media or websites and if you've got a website set up 
obviously have that link in there and, and it's back to that are you ready to put that press out there because you don't want the media to get back to you and you're not ready with the photograph or the website or the tickets aren't on sale you want everything to be ready because quite often the early publicity and the really good photographs and everything that's what everybody focuses on so i think it's probably worth digging into images a bit more mm. we want to have portrait and landscape images high quality would you send those out with the press release like would you send a journalist a 10 megabyte picture you know, as an attachment in an email a thumbnail is probably better and put for larger or high quality high resolution photographs available on the quest and um, because sometimes i can just slow down the email can't it or completely block if they work for a big company sometimes if you send huge files they just stopped before they even get mm. to the person a firewall Oh, the other option is to put them onto a, a kind of sharing website like Flickr um, and to send them a link for that particular folder so it's quick to find it. And then the journalist could download it or get in touch and you send it. What do we think makes a good press image? I would say something dramatic. I mean, some of the ones that have stood out with Camden Fringe, um, I mean, it's back to the jam and the nudity. There's sometimes been things like somebody's doing Shakespeare and you go, well, what's the new angle on that? But they have actually had a very dramatic image, whether it, it almost looks like they've got no clothes on, even though they have. Um, sometimes, um, you know, bare shoulders. I think there was one, wasn't there one one year where it was somebody with his arms around another member of the cast and there might have been uh, hands out and a heart or something like that. But it's the drama and it looks different from them being in a rough and a big old-fashioned Shakespearean outfit. So the fact that it looked modern and it looking like there's some kind of romance in there and drama and all those things that people love. And for my show, could I just steal a photograph off the internet so I just like Google a picture and use that? No. One of the key things is that um, if you take someone else's photograph off the internet, then they could turn around and complain that you've breached their copyright. And they might actually get in touch with you and ask for a fee or they might actually, uh, you know, threaten to uh, take you to court and, and sue you. So don't take pictures off the mm -hmm. Internet because that's someone else's work and it belongs to them. Mm -hmm. So it's better to create your own. And do, um, do you always credit the photographer? Yes, always credit the photographer. It's worth um, asking uh, somebody who is a photographer to take your own pictures they belong to you then discuss it with the photographer um, it's better to pay a photographer some money rather than to take something off the internet and have that photographer chasing you later on and probably getting very upset and asking you for more money than it would have cost in the first place but yeah the pictures should be high quality um, for Zena's show for example would a picture of a pot of jam be a good image would that be eye-catching enough or do you think it's do you think you have to have a picture of a person I think people really stand out. They really do stand out. A picture of a person or a picture of a group of people is more likely to be used by the media than a picture of an inanimate object. And it's the same on the website when people are going to buy tickets. The pictures of people stand out more than some very strange, elusive picture. So I would say people are very important in the media, but also on websites when you're trying to sell tickets. And if I have a very low budget, I can do pictures with my phone, can't I? Because I've got a good quality camera on my phone. Um, what sort of backgrounds look good in press photos? If you're doing pictures on your phone, then do think about the background. Um, 
it might be that you can find a uh, a plain wall or a curtain behind. If you've got red curtains, it looked like you're on stage. Try not to have something too fussy. Sometimes um, there's too much going on in the background and that takes away from your production. You want to find something that actually reflects what you're, what you're doing. It might also be that you can find some good backgrounds when you're out and about. So an industrial background or a brick wall might actually suit what you're doing in your productions. But do think about when, you, when you're doing your photograph on your phone, would a selfie suffice or would it be better to take someone out with you and get them to take the photograph? And if you're doing a video straight off, the easiest thing to do is get a tripod because if you don't have a tripod, it might be shaky. And also, if you're into, if you're like doing something in production, uh, maybe you do a little bit of a rehearsal video, which can be quite interesting. You might interview people in character before a show, get a plug-in mic. Now, there's lots of, uh, lots of mobile journalism equipment available. You can get quite professional stuff. If you look at the BBC and you look at a lot of journalists nowadays, they're actually reporting on their phones. So that is the kind of standard that a lot of people are expecting nowadays. They're, they're used to seeing journalists outside a crash site or outside an explosion reporting for the BBC on their phone. So you can do a lot with your phone, whether it's photographs or videos. Just think if you're doing video, get a plug-in mic. Oh, and also the um, you can get radio mics as well that plug on people. So if you were if you were having a little cast chat, people like a bit of behind the scenes you know, getting ready for a show. So you might do some uh, talking to the casting character. They might be talking about their relationship or interviewing the director. Yeah. Just a minute. Don't do it too long. So you think about the things that are circulating on social media at the moment, like Instagram and TikTok and all, all of those. A lot of them are very, very short. So it's getting editing it down to something really important. What are the types of coverage you think you can get for a fringe show? It all depends on the subject of the fringe show. There was a fringe show a couple of years ago, which was actually a former sex worker talking about her experiences of working on phone lines. And that actually did get in the mirror, did get a page lead in the mirror. Um, if you have a good angle, it can make the national news. There was another show about a man who was doing up a derelict hall and he was American and he'd, he'd actually found out he owned this hall when he did his family history. Um, or he was related to the people who had owned the hall, got in touch with the council, got it for a quid. Now, his story is quite interesting, so it has made the BBC. So if you have a good angle, then you can make the nationals, you can make bigger coverage. But that's quite rare, isn't it? But it is rare. So on the whole, you can expect to have, again, if you've got a good angle, you could get local radio coverage, you can get community television coverage, you might get regional television coverage depending on what it is sometimes a local history angle will make that or community involvement if you've got like a community choir you know you've got children in or something like that mm -hmm. there might be something that's really community orientated that gets on regional mm -hmm. television but on the whole with with most shows if you haven't got a standout angle then you're going to get the kind of regional the very local website um, there's so many websites so many websites in London and you have to keep looking because whenever we do a list of anything, like a few weeks later, it's different. But it is getting them interested to write about your show. There's so much competition with people sending out information. It's worth putting a lot of time in. Worth putting a lot of time in. Do your research. Who's interested in going to the theatre, writing about the theatre or 
drama, you know, like comedy, clowning, music, whatever it is. Look at which journalists are interested in that and contact them directly. But you need a strong picture. You need as strong an angle as you can possibly produce for that show to get attention because it's a very competitive world out there. And is it worth trying to get reviewers in to see a show if you're only doing a couple of days? Um, it is. It's a tough one, actually, because quite a few reviewers will not come out unless you're doing a week. But some some local reviewers will come out for fringe shows and they will come out even if it's one night or two nights, especially if you're touring. If you're doing a pre-Edinburgh, you know, you might be doing something at Camden and then going to Edinburgh. So some reviewers will come out no matter how short your run is. But it is that personal approach and checking that you're actually talking to the person who might be interested in that kind of show. Being polite is absolutely crucial. Over the years, I've been involved in local venues i've been involved in obviously doing uh fringes and some people just aren't polite when they're trying to get publicity and you think it's not the best way to to go about it you can't demand publicity you can't demand that anyone turns up to your show you have to interest them yeah and a lot of the time that people who write for the websites a lot of them are doing it as volunteers so they're not being paid for the time there's fewer and fewer people mm. that are actually paid to review shows so you do need to be really courteous don't you yes yes you do but um do have a look i mean there are national websites that do theater coverage who have a, a network of local volunteers going out to watch shows and then there's the one person sat in their bedroom writing a website but they might actually be that website that your target audience reads so it might not be getting in the guardian it might be getting on that local website that the people in that particular area are looking at thank you so much debbie that was really interesting i think there's a lot for people to think about there and to act on thank you thank you very much Oh, Debbie talks very fast, doesn't she? She does, and she's very Mancunian. I hope you managed to get some good info out of that. Yeah, I think the main things are good photos. Good choices of photos. A short to the point, interesting press release and be very polite to everybody and, and personalise things. Yeah, take your time. So the other bit of Camden Fringe news is that this week we've had our first show confirm they're performing at a venue that isn't on the official camden fringe list of venues what what what? explain so if you don't want to perform at one of the fringe theatres or pub spaces that we have available listed on our website and on eventatron you are able to find your own venue in camden or the surrounding areas to perform at so if you want to do something in a space that's a bit more flexible um, that's a bit more site specific Um, we've had people do shows in parks before we've had people do shows in underground car parks before You're absolutely welcome to do that. You obviously need to arrange it, get all the permissions and sort it out. But if you contact us, we can add their details to our system and you can perform there. So that's just something I felt was worth saying because we haven't really discussed that side of venues before. That's true. And um, if you go into the documents section on Eventstron, we have at the moment a list on there of a few venues that we have used in the past that are not listed on Eventstron that you might want to start contacting directly and we will be updating that as we go along brilliant stay tuned subscribe like someone write us a review if you feel like it bye